The following program is intended for mature audiences. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. What are you people, on dope? All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend. Indeed it does. But first, it's time for the opening gem of the day. Back then, long time ago, when grass was green, woke up in a daze, arrived like strangers. George, it that, was George. That was George, but I tell you what, I love that tune because it just sounds, unlike other ones we'll get to, <laughs> like a Beatles song. Yes, it does. Yes, Indeed. it does. Little, little elements here and there. I've always felt bad for George because George was an extremely capable songwriter. He's an extremely mm-hmm. capable vocalist, 
and he had the unfortunate fate of landing in a band with Lennon and McCartney. But it's what makes it so magical is that he got recruited because he, Lennon knew that he didn't have the guitar chops to carry the band. <laughs> so here's this 15-year-old prodigy they went to school with. Yep. Next thing you know, boop, welcome to the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And there's something to be said for chemistry. Yeah. You know, everybody in that band played their role. The ultimate quartet. Yep, exactly. absolutely. They, 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 they set the pattern, if you will. Yep. So, of course, that, for the uninitiated, was uh, the song When We Was Fab, of course, referencing the heyday of the Beatles. Indeed. And that was featured on the 1987 album of George Harrison's called Cloud Nine. Uh, and this particular ditty... Uh, should come as a surprise to virtually no one that it was actually a collaboration with him and Mr. Jeff Lynn right. of ELO fame. Indeed, indeed. Probably a precursor to the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, yes, definitely. He yep. was the producer of the moment at that moment. Mm. And uh, and someone who was completely dialed into the canon that was the Beatles. Right. And really, you know, you had mentioned it, it had the George Martin sound with the strings, but. After I saw Jeff Lynn was part of it, you know, the fancy fiddles had to come from there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Because that's his thing. Yeah. And I mean, how many producers can lay down their resume and say, yeah, I was ELO? Right. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, yes, today we are talking. And it, this is kind of cool because I, I don't think we've used the Beatles much as far as like gems and topics. We have matter. not. We have and not. it kind of, I don't know. It, it, the Beatles were unique in that they didn't only just impact culture, they changed it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know how many, how many bands you can say that, that, say that about. I mean, maybe right. Nirvana is close, mm -hmm. but like for people who are alive today, people who are popular music fans, I don't know if you can wrap your brain around, you know, what the Beatles were. Right. Well, and there's a phrase going around these days that kids like using. Yeah. Uh, and it's called... Um, you refer to someone or a group of people as a generational talent. Okay. And I think truly that would apply to the Beatles. No doubt. Uh, Elvis Presley, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the key with all of this stuff, and we see it in all forms of art and entertainment, whoever they are, you could say it's, it's uh, singer-songwriters, yeah. actresses, directors, producers. Right. They have a heyday. And when they have lightning in the bottle, they do amazing things. Yeah. Some of them collect a, a string of successes in a certain time period. Yeah. And the thing is, I guess it's human nature, in most cases, to never really appreciate it while you've got it. Mm. And then you spend many years afterwards chasing it. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. brings us really to the crux of... Tonight's lead-in yes. topic. and it's a heavy topic. I know we've, we've, we've touched on a lot of different heavy things, as we are wont to do. Mm -hmm. But, Johnny, I really feel that this, this topic is all about an affront to humanity. <laughs> why why it, I jumped on it, because you gave me a couple ideas, yeah. and I'm like, back up, yeah. hit the beepers, that's it's, it. It's a, it's a travesty of epic proportion. I do think it's an insult to every sentient being on Earth. <laughs> And of course, I am referring to the Joe quote Biden. unquote. No. Oh, you no. wish. You just <laughs> wish. Not on your best day, my friend. <laughs> I am, of course, referring to the quote unquote new Beatles song, Air Now and Then. Yeah. Uh, Apple, is, Apple is referring to it, Apple being the, the Beatles record company, of course, mm -hmm. uh, is referring to it as the last Beatles song. Which carries as much weight as calling something the last tour Kiss is ever going to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, I think unless you're over 50, you know, somebody's saying, oh, it's the last Beatles song. Mm -hmm. You're going to go, uh. <laughs> ever get the feeling you've been cheated? And? Yeah. You know. But, uh, but yes, this was, you know, just recently released. Um, it was a reconstructed song from a demo mm -hmm. uh, that John Lennon did in his living room in the Dakota back in the uh, late 1970s, and he recorded it on a boombox. Right. And quite honestly, the quality of the recording shows. Mm -hmm. You know, they couldn't release it up until now because the technology didn't exist to make it releasable. Okay. And it's... 
arguable that even with the technology, and yes, AI is behind this, mm-hmm. that it was releasable. Because, I mean, I absolutely love the Beatles. Like a lot of people of our generation, they were one of the first bands, if not the first rock and roll bands that was introduced to. Um, you know, when I listened to this, it was like, eh. Yeah. You know, it really was. And uh, I can't help but wonder if they didn't go back to the well once too many times. Yeah, and I think, you know, never having been a huge... Uh, you know, Beatles fan, like I always say, the minute you get into classic rock, you need to decide, are you a Stones fan or a Beatles <laughs> fan? Yeah. And I say, well, I like The Who. But and there you go. In this case, you know, the, the charming and sweet thing about The Beatles was that it made anybody think you and three mates could get a band together yeah. and sing rock and roll. Oh, yeah. That was one of the, one of the most inspiring things there. about them. Yeah. You saw them on Ed Sullivan in 64 and you went, not only do I want to do that, but mm. I can do that. And it's like after them, rock and roll got very aloof, and you had like your mercenaries and your specials. Not everybody could form a band and be Led Zeppelin, true, or, or Van Halen, or yep. the Beach Boys, even. Oh yeah, well you look at you know you mentioned Led Zeppelin, uh, the guitar playing of Jimmy Page. Uh, you look at bands like Yes, mm-hmm. um, that shit's intimidating. So Super. I, yeah. you know, I can't do that. Oh my god, right? You know. But, yeah, with the Beatles, there was that element of this is doable. Yeah. You know, if I can grab three of my mates, we could conceivably do that. They wrote brilliant, brilliant pop songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, this song... It's a funeral measure, dirge. It, That's what I've called it. It, it doesn't measure That's up. how it feels to me. There's nothing remarkable about it. Right. But, nothing. see, that was the reason we went tongue-in-cheek, in a way, with the opening tune. Not that we ever do that. That we ever do that. No. Because I felt that that song from, from George, When We Was Fab, really captured all the nostalgia you'd ever need to capture about the Beatles. Oh, yeah. And this is when three uh, of the four were still alive. Yeah. I love the fact that George, when he was alive, referred to the Beatles as the Fabs. Yeah. You yeah. know, that was, that's so inherently British. You know, another way to look at it, which, which makes this even more of an abomination, and, <laughs> you know, not to... Well, yeah, I am going to compare and contrast in this instance. Okay. Because even though there's only two members of this group alive versus yeah. three from the other, yeah. look at the Rolling Stones' latest release. Yeah. Okay? It's getting rave reviews. It's like vintage Stones and yet different and modern and fun. Yeah. What do the Beatles give us? Thanks, Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> A funeral dirge. Let's not be throwing rocks at Yoko now. Come That's on. That's such an easy target, though. I know. Untalented hack. Well, this was like part of a batch of songs that Yoko brought to mm-hmm. the surviving Beatles back in 94. 95, they went to work on this batch of tunes. And, you know, it should be noted that in respect to this particular tune, as they were working on it, at one point, George washed his hands of it. He called it, quote unquote, <laughs> effing rubbish. Right, right. And yeah, it, it, here it is 20 years later. Do the math, 20 years? Yeah, that's about right. About right. Um, where the technology they thought existed to bring it up to a level where it was releasable, mm-hmm. I don't agree. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's much ado about nothing. Giant nothing burger. Unfortunately. In a day and age when, damn, we really could have used another good Beatles track. Oh, Maybe something hopeful and, and in their inimitable in way of just kind of saying, it's all right. You know, here yeah. comes the song. Something just kind of... Well, again, Uplifting. if you're not of that generation, you probably can't wrap your brain around the impact that the Beatles had. Right. You know, and the cultural zeitgeist that existed around the Beatles and just about anything and everything they did. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even with this song, uh, if you compare it to Double Fantasy, you know, the Lennon solo project with Yoko, of course, that was released in 1980, unfortunately, shortly before he was assassinated, mm-hmm. which is a wild concept who assassinates musicians but it, it it's it's you know it's it's disappointing in that it doesn't measure up it just yeah. doesn't and of course you know? die hard beatles fans like you said they're just happy to have it they don't care it, it could be crap but to them it's it's their own little oh yeah nugget anything, of gold. anything and everything beatles they're they're completely right. they could, down they could with. do no wrong you know yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that i'm no. just saying you and i being for lack of a better phrase like the, the arm's length fans that we are, oh, the yeah. Beatles. Um, yeah, it's just like, really? I think you're at that level with Van Halen. But at the same time, 
you know, in the 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 discussions we've had, the music we've listened to with with Van Halen, mm-hmm. you have very appropriately ID'd songs that don't measure up. Yeah, and said no, this this. No. And one of the songs in the running for tonight's leading gem was a Van Halen song, one of the two new ones they did yeah. back in, I guess, 96, when they were going to get the original lineup back together. Yeah. And aptly named, you can't get this stuff no more. So even they're admitting it right there in Dave's weird, admittable way, uh, it's with his lyrics, <laughs> everything from pizza pies to outside the wire, something's moving. I guess, I don't know what that's about. But they're admitting... With a really good sound that, you know what? We're never going to capture what we had. Yeah. It's time to move on. Oh, yeah. Well, as hard <laughs> as it is to reach that conclusion, um, you know, to put it in perspective, the Beatles released uh, upwards to over 200 songs in their time between 1960 and 19... Or 1962, excuse me, and 1970. A mm-hmm. um, hundred plus songs have been released post-Beatles breakup. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I mean, that's that's unprecedented, and that's respectable as hell. But there comes a time where you got to let it go. Yeah. You I know? mean, even when the Beach Boys did Kokomo, yeah. and there were John Stamos, I think, sat in on drums for that one. Really? That was a monster hit because it's everything you would expect from a Beach Boys song. Mm-hmm. Granted, not all of them were a part of it or alive to, to, to see it to completion, yeah. but there was no mistaking that sound, and that's why it was popular. You know? Yeah. And it's just... I think it's probably one of the hardest things, particularly when you get to a certain age, mm-hmm. to let go of the past. Right. And it's a very, very difficult acknowledgement to make. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you do hit that point, and you got to ID that appropriately. you got to yeah. let go. I mean, the, the just unbelievable... Uh, History of what the Beatles did, the, the the songs that they did, the the their, you know, their canon of work mm-hmm. is just absolutely stunning. There's absolutely nothing wrong at this point with saying enough. Yeah, you know, I done. Mean, sit back, look at your catalog like a freshly mowed lawn with a cold beer in your hands <laughs> <laughs> to put it in parlance we can all appreciate, and just say to yourself, "Well done." Yeah, you know, there's nothing more they need to do. They certainly don't need the money. Yeah. All right. Oh, or at God, least no. Ringo and Paul don't need the money. Yeah. Your girl, Yoko, yeah, she might need the money. I don't know, but I guess <laughs> she's got old John still. I, I strongly doubt Yoko needs <laughs> the money. But I think a big red flag is the use of AI. Right. And that's the third part of the, the trinity of why this sucks, <laughs> is that it is a, a herald of things to come. Yeah. And again... I, you know, you used the, the Van Halen reference. I don't want to hear a computer give me their best rendition of Eddie Van Halen. And I don't want the group to release things just because his name can be on it. I, right. I don't want that, you know. Right. If I wanted that, I could listen to The Who still. Because oh, yeah. God bless them. You know, Daltrey and Townsend keep soldiering on. Yep. Normally with a symphony backdrop, you yep. know. And yep. actually Ringo Starr's kid playing the drums, you know, for the late Keith Moon. Yeah. But it's just it's just not the same. Well, it's kind of telling that they released a video. Uh, obviously, that's mm-hmm. what you do. They released a video to go with the song. And the reaction has been mixed, to say the least. It's It's got worse CGI than the Flash movie. That's Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I keep hearing. And as much as I detest the use of the word creepy, yeah. you know, that, that is, as far as I'm concerned, like douche-level millennial shit. Yeah. And even worse with the Zoomers. That's what I'm hearing about the video. I would have preferred to see animated wax figures of, of the oh, band. Okay. Because, and especially in scenes when there's... Sergeant Pepper era George Harrison right. looking back and, and playing while 90s era George Harrison is playing on his guitar. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, what? Meanwhile, you got poor little Ringo Starr with his little flappy hoagie arms, you know, trying to keep <laughs> the, the beat going. And, you know, Paul's always there playing the bass and intermittent yeah. shots of John, you know. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not a good video that goes to a not very good song yeah. that is attached now to a not very good idea. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, it's it's just at the forefront. There's going to be so much more of this now. Yeah. Well, that's an accusation that is frequently lobbed at the boomers in particular, mm-hmm. um, is that they don't know when to say when. Right. They don't know when to say we've done it enough, yeah. over, we're walking away. I mean, the first couple of times they had a concert and they trotted out a hologram. 
of say yeah. Tupac or even Prince or somebody. It's like, oh wow, look at this hologram. Yeah. Yeah. No, just stop there. Okay. I don't want to pay money to again go see a computer generated image, sound, whatever. Yeah. There's something just wrong. Well, it kind of reeks of desperation. Yes, and that and desperation, as we know, is a terrible cologne. Yes. And at some point in time, and this is going to happen to everybody, you know, we're throwing rocks at, uh, at the boomers for doing this. You know, as Generation X guys, we're coming up on it. You know, hate to break it to you, millennials and Zoomers, <laughs> but the day is going to come where you're going to have to face this one down, too. You got to know when to say when. Yeah. You know, and I mean, God, you look at the catalog, the accomplishments that, that the Beatles, you know, own. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no shame. And as a matter of fact, it's far more respectable than wringing it out yeah. to say, yeah, we did it. Message! You know, again, like I said, these guys didn't just impact culture. They changed it. Mm-hmm. How many different bands, how many different artists at all can... Countless. You, yeah, can yeah. You, that just can claim that. Yeah. You know, and there's no shame, absolutely no shame mm-hmm. in saying we're done, we're walking. Yeah. So you we're know? not just like piss and vinegar, folks. We, we're, we're on to something here. And you just like yeah, some episodes way back, we were talking that, um, you know, I had said to my peers and family members and anybody that would lend me an ear <laughs> way back when that the time would come when graphics and, and CGI would catch up yeah. and they could have movies, new movies featuring just the recorded images and whatnot and the algorithms to capture a particular actor or actress well, now music has joined the fray. Yeah, very and, much so. And then the next step would be how long before the computers can figure out the algorithm to a Van Gogh, yeah. okay, or any one of the Dutch or Rembrandt or any of the masters, oh, yeah. and start recreating Rembrandt's the way the artist would do it or start sculpting the way Michelangelo did. Yeah. We don't want computers doing a lot of things. Yeah. But taking away the, the, the creative juices, one of the few things that separates, in my opinion, humans from everything else, yeah. not just opposable thumbs, but creativity, independent thought, yep. and the ability for two people to be sitting in the same room at the same time looking at the same thing and have two completely different impressions about it. Yeah. Goddamn right. You know, computers, they always find the absolute. They find their... They, it, lives off a of binary code. Yeah. So at the end of the day, no matter how fancy everything gets, it's either a one or a zero. Yeah. At least we have shades of gray. Yeah. Well, as we come upon this age of AI, you know, until, of course, it ultimately destroys us all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's very important that we establish boundaries. Yeah. You know, which we haven't done yet. You know, particularly if we're mining the past. Yeah. You know, it's very, very important that we define what's acceptable and what's mm-hmm. not. In a way, this song serves that purpose right in regards to the beatles and the lofty accomplishments of the beatles this is not okay no you know where's the culture police when you need them there we go well i'll tell you where they are they're they're sitting this one out we're not (laughs) so we will end one segment with the the palate cleansing of What's known as the middle gem. Ooh, ooh, and this is a transitional gem. This it is. is this is kind of cool because <laughs> this is going to lead us into uh, our subtopic for the day, Indeed. and it kind of gives us, a, uh, I guess, a moment of suspense. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'll hear this and go, "Okay, where are they going with this?" Yeah, and uh, where are we going? Indeed, <laughs> uh, this is. I don't know if I'd call it a classic, but it's definitely indicative of the era, and it reeks of the era. Uh, This is a song from 1980 by Alice Cooper. This is called Clones. Indeed it is. So we're going to play this one for you, folks. You can sit there, enjoy the tune, and wonder where are they going with this, and we'll show you where we're going in about three minutes.
government We're destroying time No more problems on the way I'm true, doctor We don't need your kind The other ones, ugly ones Stupid boys, wrong ones I'm all alone So I'd never even heard that song. <laughs> so that's what's it up is, with that. It is a, it a rare, rare instance where I can throw on a Johnny that he has not heard before. So I consider yep. that an accomplishment. Well done. Thank you. That was from Alice's 1980 solo album, Flush the Fashion. Uh, it was his fifth solo album. And uh, the song was about forced conformity. And uh, interesting, due to poor sales of his previous solo album, Alice was looking for a new sound on that one. So mm -hmm. he turned to producer Roy Thomas Baker, uh, who at the time was known for his work with Queen and, yep, wait for it, The Cars, <laughs> which you nailed coming right out of the gate when I played the song for you. You were like, oh, Alice does The Cars. I have my moments. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so very perceptive on your part. Credit where credit is due. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, obviously this was a lead-in to our subtopic for today. Mm -hmm. Creepy though it may be. Yeah. Well, creepy to some, completely normal to others. Because that's how people are. Yeah, yeah. People's level of acceptable creepy does yeah. vary from person to person. And, you know, it shouldn't surprise us because in this general topic, people run the gamut. Um to let the cat out of the bag, you know. To some people, their uh, little dog and or cat is a member of the family. Yeah. Uh, a fur baby, if you will. And to other people, it's just a filthy animal. True. Okay. True. So we are, of course, talking about A, pets, and B, the latest trend amongst the filthy rich, I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> is having a pet, primarily dogs, yeah. cloned. Yeah. It is cost prohibitive. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> questionable to say the least. Fifty thousand, I think, was the the number. Uh, that's the figure. There? That's the figure I came across. Okay. That is frequently the uh, the the bill, if you will. Right. Um, yeah, dog and cat cloning in the neighborhood of fifty k. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it's it's not it's not completely new, uh, in that you remember the tale of Dolly the sheep. Mm -hmm. You know, first coming back in nineteen ninety six. Um. Since then, an estimated 1,500, maybe 1,600 dogs have been cloned. So, again, cost prohibitive. Right. It's not like it's caught on like wildfire, but it is growing. Yeah. Um, you well, know, I, I read an example of one guy in Argentina that bought five clones of the same dog. Yeah. That's a little overkill. That's a, 
bit bizarre. Uh, I think that's a bit of an indictment on the person who wrote the check. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of things people don't realize about calling. Yes, science is getting better at it, but the success rate is still 10 to 20%. Oh, so it's not like no. easy peasy, lemon squeezy. No, no, you would think, but no, it's not. Huh. Um, so, yeah, sorry to break that to you, kids, but, you know, you bring your, your cells of your dead dog um, it ain't necessarily going to fly. You right. might be disappointed. I go back to that scene from Star Trek, the motion picture, where they're yeah. having trouble with the transporters. Oh, God. And they beam over the science officer, and it yeah, comes and he, over just as a... A slag, a, a, basically. Yeah. <laughs> a, a human slag. It's Jim Pimmer. Now talk to him, damn it. Well, it's dead, whatever it was. Yeah. But but what is this indicative of as far as like a perspective on things? Like, I guess the, the rampant excuse for this... <laughs> Is that people could, quote-unquote, not cope with the loss. Well, here's the thing. I mean, and I'm not preaching to anybody. Yeah. And I'm what you could probably consider to be an extremely sentimental person. And okay. I'm, a, I'm a pet lover. I sure. got my, my dog, B. I don't know what I'd do without her. Yeah. But if you could have a hallmark moment that th- throws a cliche in this whole thing, yeah. there's a reason that animals live shorter lives than we do. This is true. So you can cherish them that much more. Yeah. And that's like the axiom as it's always been. Right. Right. Now, I would say that this is actually, just for me, a less creepy maneuver than having the pet stuffed so we could just sit there like a zombie and stare at you all day That's day. really creepy. Really that's, creepy. That's creepy right? off the scale. Yeah. And yet it's a little maybe more creepy than, say, just keeping your pet's ashes in an urn on the mantle or something. Right. But in any event, the bottom line is letting go. Sometimes that is better. And as sentimental as I am, this will probably rattle a couple people's cages. (laughs) Do you ever drive around and see the car in front of you has kind of like uh, an epitaph on the back window? Yep. Yep. Uh, in memory of right shit. and yeah. it's normally like a teenager of 13 years and sometimes maybe they'll have a picture of a motorcycle so gee guess how he died Ugh. you know there, there's no pictogram I guess for fentanyl yet <laughs> but that something about that just like roadside memorials sure right sure something about that irritates me yeah because I'm the kind of person that cherishes the people, especially the ones I like, love, yeah. and care about, yeah. while they're alive. Yeah. And the same thing goes for my pets. And I think having the ability to clone, in this case right now, just the pets, not people yet, wink, yeah. wink. Well, that's the thing. Is it's a slippery slope. Very slippery slope. Where do we stop? And one of the great equalizers in the universe is the circle of life. Yeah. Everything dies. Oh, the fact that, that life is finite, whether we're talking about you, me, sons, daughters, pets, mm-hmm. that defines us. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a part of living. And I don't need some, somebody's, you know, pet dog Scruffy going full boys from Brazil on me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, they got 10 of them running around in the yard. Well... Think about it, man. There's a, there's a level of arrogance there that you are not accepting death. Right. You're not accepting that, yeah, all right, Fluffy is gone. Fluffy ain't coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the area I think we get into where a lot of scientists consider this deceptive and unethical mm-hmm. is like when you clone, you know, Fido, what you're getting isn't necessarily going to be a duplicate of. I mean, they're right. a genetic match. But personality-wise, that's developed through, you know, the ownership and the right. atmosphere that they've, you know, they've existed in. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you're going to get the exact same thing right back. Uh, you're going to be sorely mistaken. It it's doesn't work ver- like that. I'm waiting for, like, Rod Serling to narrate in the background. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. think about it, raising, um, and I, I get it, this is a horrible comparison, but raising a child and, and raising a, a dog from a, a puppy. Right. They're similar in so much as the events that shape their individual personalities. Sure. It's very subjective. Yep. And to try and duplicate that is is a, a foible. It's not going to happen. Well, again, it's an it's a unprecedented level of arrogance that you're mm-hmm. not going to accept the finite nature of life. Right. You know, no, I'm sorry. You know, the pet is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, it's, it's absolutely brutal 
from what I understand, it's the worst possible reality you could deal with of a parent burying a child, for example, or, you know, God forbid you have to bury your mate, your husband, your wife, and therein lies the slippery slope. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, it's ethical to dupe, you know, your pet, but it's a far worse reality to deal with that your spouse has up and died on you. Right. So where's the justification? Where is the preventative mm -hmm. that, okay, you know, we can bring back the pet. Why not your wife? Right. Why not your kid? And even in the, the much maligned um, Wonder Woman sequel, Wonder <laughs> Woman 84. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, DC guy speaks. Yeah. Well, that, that's the crux of it is that this guy, Max Pro Lord, gets this magical talisman that he can grant wishes. Right. Uh, whatever's, like, your most sincere wish. And for Wonder Woman is to bring back her beau, Steve Trevor, from the right. first movie. Yeah. And both of them know once he shows up, something's wrong. You know? And refreshingly, yeah. even he knows. He's like, I don't belong here. I, right. I, I died, you yeah. know? Yeah. And trying to recreate all the romance and everything, it's like there, but you're still just... There's something unnatural about it. Yeah. And again, maybe we're approaching this not just because of, you know, the conversational creep factor of bringing back a pet and whatnot. Yeah. But maybe it's a little bit more that we know damn well. That is wrong. And it's only the beginning. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's no chance in hell the scientific powers that be, wherever they might be socked away, yeah. are going to be like, Okay, good. We did it with Dolly, and uh, we cloned a couple of pigs to harvest for organs. That's yeah. cool. And yeah, we're going to leave it at pets. I mean, we're, we're cool with pets. There ain't no way in hell they're going to stop at pets. No. And it's just another one of those little things. I mean, you can fret about AI all you want. Yeah. I still say the biggest threat is just scientists right oh, here. God, yeah. Well, the, the, the whole idea of ethics goes completely to shit right. when faced down with trauma and money. You know, we can we can rationalize anything. Like people like they the, the brainiacs came up with that super collider out in Colorado. Yeah. And they're always like, Well, you know, once we turn it on, the universe could like collapse upon itself, but mm -hmm. we're gonna give it a shot. We think yeah, we're okay. What the hell? Yeah, what do you we know? know? I, I kinda <laughs> feel the same way about AI right now. It's like, you know, yep. these idiots are going, Oh, stop us, stop us before we mm -hmm. create again. You're creating something that could potentially destroy all of us. Fuck it, you're doing it anyway. Right. You know, I mean, you're kidding yourself if you don't understand that hubris to this level is going to have repercussions. Indeed. It's unavoidable. It's going to happen, yep. you know? And are you willing to deal with those repercussions? Yeah. You selfish prick. <laughs> are you really? <laughs> yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And, you know, bringing things back to life, you, you could... Hit any facet of, of pop culture. Um, I could use the uh, the Batman villain, yeah. Ra's al Ghul. Okay, yeah. He, he goes into the Lazarus pit, but every time he comes back, he's a little crazier. Yeah. You know, that's the price you pay. Yeah. Or we look at the, the classic um, Stephen King novel, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, it'll bring yes. the animals back to life, but the animals are unhinged, and so are the humans that inevitably. Oh, yeah. They justify, oh, my! I can't let my son die. I'm willing to try anything. Yeah, when you go down that road, good luck getting the shit back on the horse, kids. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, once you breach that boundary, mm -hmm. you know, where are we going with this? Where's it going to end? Right. You know, we, we love screwing around with shit that could potentially end us all. You know, I mean, we did this with nuclear weapons, for example. Yep. You know, we're doing it now with AI. You know, something as subtle as cloning, mm -hmm. this could get out of hand. Next thing you know, you're riding on the beach, you look up, and there's a Statue of Liberty. Oh, damn you! <laughs> it exactly. did it! God damn you! Yep. yep. So, yeah, you know, again, <laughs> like we talked about in the first segment, there's a need to establish boundaries. Yes. There's a From need. the onset. Yeah, and let's be realistic about it before... You know, the repercussions are things we can't fix, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it seems simple. Yep. Yeah, we duped a sheep. Yeah, we brought your kitten back. Yeah. You know, where are we going from here? Yeah. Just like right now, they should be plotting out 
what the arrangements are going to be when they start colonizing the moon or Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait until it happens and you got two astronauts from different countries at gunpoint or, <laughs> yeah. dare I say, laser <laughs> point yeah. and sort the shit out then. Yeah, figure it out now, right. please. I'm looking at you in the United Nations. We know your asses aren't that busy, right? Yeah. And quite honestly, the bullshit excuse, people can't cope with the loss, unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Since we first crawled from the prior- primordial ooze. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I hate to break this to you, kids, but this is a part of life. Loss right. is a part of life. Again, it defines us, yep. you know, as, as human beings. Oh, I'm just waiting for the post on social media. <laughs> well, yeah. I went and did a thing today. Here's Muffy 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it rips out her neck. <laughs> Hopefully during the live stream. Yeah, and you have no one to blame but yourself when that shit happens. Oh, Lord. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So the moral of the story is, folks, don't treat each other like shit while we're here. Treat yourself well and show your animals some love. Give them that extra treat. Oh, B just perked up after that one. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't break the foot, biscuit in half, you yeah, know, and yeah. just with whole things. Enjoy it now while it lasts, because you can't go back, and as some would say, just don't look back in anger. Yeah, well, that's a good segue, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's tasty, that's tasty. Just to understand, you know, with all stories, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. This is true. Yeah, and like you said so astutely, don't look back in anger. <laughs> now, why of all the things I could say when I say that? Mm. Must be third gem time. Must be something to do with the third gem. I think so. I <laughs> and think so. speaking of people fighting and trying to kill each other, <laughs> the, the Gallagher, Gallagher brothers. Yay! <laughs> True artist in that respect. Yes. So, uh, yes, Johnny, let us let us segue into the third gem. Yeah. This is the Oasis classic. Don't look back in anger. Indeed, and another uh, all-star group that we've yet. To play a song by. So here they are in their grand debut on Riffs and Rants. Enjoy this tune, folks, and we'll be back with some more things, stuff, and.
Beatles-esque was that not? Beatles, and, and that's why it, it, it just fit there. Yeah. And yeah. I'm no Oasis fan, believe me. I could have tuned them out to their 90s, <laughs> the 2000s, the 2010s. Well, the thing I loved about them is they were unabashed Beatles acolytes. Yeah. You know, they you know, duped the Beatles on so many different levels, and when they were accused of it, they said, mm-hmm. yup. Yeah. You know, it's totally defang the accusers. Mm-hmm. You know? So that was, of course, Don't Look Back in Anger. It was from their, uh, the fifth single. Wrap your brain around that. The fifth <laughs> single from their 1995 album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their day, these guys were unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Media you know, like, darlings. Yeah. Well, they, they fell back on the fundamentals of songwriting, mm-hmm. you know, just like the Beatles. And they blew it up, you know. And uh, according to Noel Gallagher, who, of course, wrote the song, and this was, I think, his first uh, lead vocal, uh, the song's about looking forward, not looking back, mm-hmm. which fits the theme yes, of what does. we've been talking about the whole album, which, you, you know, the perils of looking back as opposed to looking forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Noel Gallagher dubbed the song Oasis's Hey Jude. Uh, so there you go. That's not ostentatious at all. Yeah, these guys weren't lacking in <laughs> ego. <laughs> you know, they were not definitely not little. lacking in ego. But Noel Gallagher is also one of the funniest human beings to ever walk the earth, so I'll give him a pass on this. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No argument here. So anyway. Yes, sir. Speaking of going forward, looking forward. Not and rumors. Back. And rumors. Oh. There's rumblings. There are. I have heard... And don't quote me on this, but I have heard that the Riffs and Ranch players mm. are hard at work on a sequel to I'll Be Prone for Christmas. Yes, the, the seminal effort put forth by this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> by in a way, like not even close, it doubled the amount of their most listened to podcast. Absolutely stunning. Stunning. Was the uh, last year's Christmas episode, I'll Be Prone for Christmas. Yes. In which we did a whimsical take on the classic... Um, O. Henry short story, The Gift of the Magi. Yes. Well, rumor has it that we're not to be outdone. Yep. And we're getting the, the gang back together <laughs> for this year's spe- very the special. The band. The band. <laughs> we're getting the band back together. Your women. How much for the little girl? <laughs> More like that. But uh, yeah, we're going to amaze and astound with yet another Christmas masterpiece. Oh, dear God. And maybe it'll have the same life as the Christmas. And uh, look, I'm not kidding, folks. People every day are still downloading the Christmas episode. The stupid bastards <laughs> that are the Ocean <laughs> players set the bar really high on that one. Uh, accidentally, unintentionally. Yep. And yes, the uh, repercussions carry through to this day. It's like getting an Oscar for a life serial commercial. Basically, <laughs> We never saw it coming. And it's, it's a nice little piece of storytelling. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, me personally, I, I happen to like uh, episode 105, uh, where we did the retelling of um, Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. I thought yes. that was more multifaceted. And then, of course, Wokey Locks and the Three Unbearable Republicans was, was nothing short of a masterpiece. But sadly, we had... Well, we had studio issues that day. Technical. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah, it's just, yeah, a comedy of errors. Well, it just goes to show you, you never know for sure what's right. going to hit with the public. This you is true. You just don't know. You don't know. You know, you got to lead with your best and hope hope it works out. Yep, so that, for some reason, and it wasn't even my accents because it was horrible. It's like everybody sounded <laughs> the same, you know? And, you were good as a narrator, which you always are. That, that's your wheelhouse, man. You know, You're like the Morgan fun. Freeman of this fun. podcast. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, everybody else in the cast ran with it. You yep. know, it made my job easy. And, uh, and yeah, the, the reception to this day is stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. I both laugh and curse every day when I'm looking at the <laughs> downloads. I was like, wow, that one we did last week, it's, it's really not moving the needle. And, oh, great, there's five more for the Christmas episode a year ago. Yeah. Like, how did they even find that? I have no <laughs> idea. No idea. Uh, you know? And when brilliant. you're, like, downloading Christmas epi- the Christmas episode in <laughs> August. Really? Yeah, who were those people? Oh, dear God, I don't know. Oof. Struck a nerve. Yeah. I hope you haven't disappointed people when it says, you know, Gift to the Magi, and it's really not the actual story. It's our take <laughs> on it. But since I haven't got any hate mail about it, I guess they're enjoying it, too. Well, like you said, we take these... 
classic tales, mm-hmm. and we abuse and molest them. Yeah. And people <laughs> love it. They absolutely love it. Well, and, and, and yeah, really, we don't. Yeah, we do kind of violate <laughs> them, but we, it, it's, it's in a modern sense. It's, it's a retelling to fit the, uh, the modern day vibe, let's say. Right. Right. So yeah, so we're gonna do another one, folks. And you know, look, we're not gonna release it if it sucks. So you know, it's gonna be good. Well, all people need to know is that it's in the planning stage. It's in the planning stage. It's coming. Yes. There's it's coming so soon. many possibilities. Oh my god. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> but that's about it for this episode. This episode one hundred and sixty-three. Wow. Right. Haven't made a dime off this shit. Yet. <laughs> Killing me, man. Don't go there, Johnny. You know Don't who's making a bit of money on their podcast? Alec Baldwin. Yeah. He's going to need it for his court fees. He's the bane <laughs> of your existence. Yeah, yeah kind of, sort of. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. But nonetheless, thank you so much for joining us. We Good are fun so as happy always. Good fun. That you chose to spend an hour with us <laughs> doing this. <laughs> Nobody caught you, I hope. I hope and as always, <laughs> I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side. Deuces. <laughs>